This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Jake Owen, and this is Good Company. Good Company. Welcome to Good Company, yeah. a podcast where we talk about everything under the sun. Friends, good times, and life. Being good company. Oh. Now, here's your host, Jake. What's up, y'all? It's Jake. I am back with another episode of Good Company. Always love coming to you guys uh, with this podcast. This is really cool. I was given this awesome opportunity by my friend, Mr. Bobby Bones. He told me, he said, you know, I think, uh, Jake, your podcast would be a cool thing for you to do outside the music because he said he felt like I had some things to say. And um, and I, I was not only flattered at that, but I was excited because I feel like I do have some things to say and have some great stories to share with you. And this week, we're coming at you actually a little different. We're not in the studio back in Nashville. I am on the road so I'm uh, coming to you from this podcast from in a backstage dressing room in Canada, just on the other side of uh, the border of the States. We are uh, just right, right near Niagara Falls uh, here in Ontario. I am with someone this week that I really am excited about chatting with because we have a history together. We go way back. I think it's been almost uh, 13 years we've uh, played music together. So without further ado, let me go ahead and introduce you to one of my best buddies in the world, Mr. Myron Howell from Memphis, Tennessee. What's up, Myron? Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Canada. I'm here, baby. <laughs> We got Myron here. Myron Howell plays drums in the band with us. He has since day one. And the only reason he's missed any shows has been uh, because why, Myron? Because you couldn't get into Canada? I couldn't get into Canada. But wh where are we now? We in this bitch. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, somebody, my mama might hear this. Yeah, you, We're here. We're here today. Yeah, so, yeah Myron, uh, my mom listens to this, this podcast too, man. So sorry. We'll, we'll keep it. We'll keep it good in PG. We got a good following on this thing. So, cool. But, man, you know what? This is something I was thinking about. Each week I think about who I'm going to interview next and who I want to talk to. And one of the reasons uh, I was excited about talking to you is, man, because we do. We have, a, we have a great history together. You know, I, I talked to Greg Fowler a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And, who's the legendary uh, tour manager that we've had for yeah. all these years. But um, He tour managed Jesus, too. 
<laughs> he's going to listen to this and uh, probably don't so. think that's funny. Uh, but uh, here we are, backstage dressing room, Canada, Niagara Falls. Myron, I just thought it'd be cool to kind of go ahead and kind of introduce everyone to who you are and where you're from, and we'll get to how we met. I, as I said, you're from Memphis, Tennessee, and if you don't mind, man, go ahead and, and, and tell everybody out there kind of uh, how you grew up there in Memphis and, and what got you into playing drums, and we'll kind of get that get into how that led you and I to play in music for the last 13 years together. That's cool. Well, Americans and Canadians, my name is Myron, and I have been with Jake Owen for a nice long time, uh, since 2006. Six. Right. We, over the years, we have shared a lot of funny, intimate moments <laughs> together. <laughs> and it's been nothing but a blast. First of all, I'm going to say this, it's been nothing but a blast. I've been hanging with you for all this time. And to be honest with you, I don't think I could see anything else happening with anybody else. I would think I could have this much fun with. So let me get that out there. I anyway. appreciate that, man. I, I, don't, I, don't see, I don't foresee myself playing any music uh, Without without you beating the skins behind us, man. Oh, you shouldn't. You know you shouldn't, cause you know <laughs> you you got somebody from Memphis and he he brings that thunder, you know. So <laughs> now you've been, uh, but I gotta give it to you, Mario. Like, I mean, throughout the years, not only have you been a, a great drummer in the band, but you've brought such a um, a charismatic impact to what we do on the road. I mean, yes, you you play drums and people that watch our shows come to me constantly and tell me, man, you don't I mean, you don't realize how good Myron is, man. You're so lucky to have Myron. And I hope you do know. I do know how lucky I am to have you. Oh, I appreciate and we all it. know that. Just the charismatic person that you are, your your uh, your personality shines through when you're playing drums. People love you. I mean, we uh, we go back a long ways, and I know we're getting off target here, but I think it's important to tell people, as you were saying, you grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, would you, what was, would you remember what you know? How old you were the first time you picked up a pair of drumsticks and started playing? Uh, I was two, and two. Yeah, I was two years old when I picked up some sticks, and well, they weren't sticks; they was like spoons. <laughs> and my my mama told me this story. She was like, "Look, Melvin." You're gonna get this boy some drums because I'm gonna kill him for killing me, messing my pots up. <laughs> so next thing you know, I got some drums. So that's what that goes to. <laughs> yeah, and Melvin's Melvin was dad, huh? Yeah, that's my dad. He's the old gangster himself, the gangster shipwreck. And your dad actually, we've learned this about you over the years. So your dad was a great drummer. Your dad yeah. played with all kinds of folks, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He uh, he did his thing with uh, spinners and shoot, he. Uh, my dad was a jack of all trades, dude. He was like did hair and did all types of stuff. So he used to do hair with James Brown and Jackie Wilson and a lot of folk. And I thought my dad was just running his mouth until my mama showed me some pictures. I was like, dang, you for real, wasn't he? <laughs> Your so, dad had a pretty sweet mustache, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, 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 this man. <laughs> so. Uh, my mustache dad's, yeah. Melvin. Oh, no, they used to call your, him uh, your Sam and his Sam because his mustache <laughs> come down like that. I'm like, man, y'all better leave my dad alone. It's his mustache. So. You said your dad's mustache used to go over his lip, right? Yeah, yeah. He used to go all the way down his chin. So when he would eat, he would take his hand and raise <laughs> it up and then put his food in his mouth and then let that curtain back down. <laughs> uh, I've been lucky enough. Uh, I got to meet Myron's mom years back when we... We played a show together, and I, I don't know where that was. Was it in Memphis? It was in we Memphis. Were we were on tour with Jason Aldean. I, was it Aldean or was mm -hmm. it Keith Urban? No, no, no. I was Aldean. Aldean. Jason Aldean. Yeah. I'll never forget. I'd heard so much about uh, your mom, Myron. What's your mama's name? Thelma. 
Thelma. Yes, Melvin sir. and Thelma. Melvin and Thelma. That's right. That's awesome. Two gangster bulldogs. So I got to I got to meet Thelma and uh she came before the show and she said, Oh, Jake, it's so nice to meet you. I've heard so much about you. And we went out there and played that show that night. We were opening for Jason Aldean and uh, I was excited, man. I was excited for her to see you play. I was excited for her to see us play. And, you know, being the guy that is the singer out there, I'm able to, I leave the stage, you know, right as the, the songs are ending, as the guys are playing out on the outro. So I was the first one to walk off the stage and I was walking back to the bus and uh, as I'm walking on the bus, I could see Thelma, your mom. She was already walking up the ramp to leave. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she had, I, she had, she'd had enough. She had, she did. Yeah, <laughs> she, she had enough. Hey, just I love this, but y'all, oh, them guitars are too damn loud. I'm like, <laughs> I said, Mari, why is your mama leaving already? I didn't even get a chance to say yeah. bye. She said, she said it was too damn loud. Yeah, she couldn't take it. She was like, no, oh, I got to go. Mm-mm. That's enough. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So uh, you grew up in Memphis. You uh, started playing drums at an early age. You played football, too. Yeah. You, you, uh, did you play football in high school? Yeah, I played ball in high school. Played ball in high school, junior high, and, and fiddled my way on through and stopped playing drums and, and not being hurt. <laughs> right? Yeah. So was you, what was your first gig that you remember where you actually made money playing, playing music? Where, where you realize, like, you know what? I, this might be my job for the rest of my life. You know what, dude, uh, man, you got me on that one. That was, uh, I think, oh, I was nine, and before all the R&B stuff came out, it was me playing at this church, and then my, my daddy was like, hey, stop wasting your time with all them folks. I'm not giving you money for your, for your gift. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm just like playing drums. No, you can make change with this. I'm like, oh, okay. So finally, you know, my mom kind of, talked to this church and she's like, hey, we get, my, drum, my son plays drums and he's really good and why don't you pay him some money? So, okay, well, cool. And I started making $40 and $40 at nine years old. That's a lot <laughs> like of money. money. Yeah. First off, I didn't even realize that, that churches pay the musicians to play there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I didn't yeah. know that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I did know one thing, playing in a church band uh, was something I didn't, didn't do growing up. I didn't get into music till later in life when I was in college, but from what I've heard from folks like yourself and other people I know that have played in church bands is really where you get your chops and you start learning how to really not only play, but play with other people that are great, right? Man, look, church. Okay, people that are Christians out here, please do not take what I'm going to say the wrong way. <laughs> I have no idea where this is okay. about to go. But in church, you know, it's all about the good news and yes and this and that, blah, blah. Man, church musicians were some of the most gangster dudes in the world. It's like they was out for your job and when you was a little kid growing up trying to be a drummer and then some other older kid comes in and was waxing my butt and it's like now it you it forced you to have to get better because you want to get better and to take his job because he took your job you know right that's where a lot of a lot man i, I owe everything learning stuff in church really because i mean you you have all kinds of people singing up in there some folk can't sing you got some guys that plays, play guitar or play piano that can't play. Or you get on church drums and you sitting on a stool that's got one screw holding the throne together and you about to fall on your butt and it's just terrible. So you, you learn to <laughs> you get your You just have stuff. to learn to improvise. Yeah, yeah man. You got to get it in there. That's, that's funny. So you, you played at church and, uh, and this is after you played football. You're, you're now playing in church. You're out there. Uh, well, you say you're nine years old at this point. So the, the, you hadn't really gone through high school yet or anything mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. But after playing football in high school, you realize 
that playing drums was something that seemed like that could be a legitimate job for you. Yeah, um, yeah, I did, you know, and, and I finally started, I was 17, and I got my first club gig, and... Was this in Memphis, down yeah. on, on Beale Street or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was this club called The Ritz. Punk dude still owed me money, but uh, <laughs> that was that was more than here today. Anyway, so... But no, that was my first gig playing down there, and it was actually pretty cool. I made like two hundred dollars that, and I was like, "Man, this is actually pretty cool." So, trying to be a musician and well, in Memphis too. Yeah. I mean, you growing up in Memphis—that's some of the most famous musicians of all time have been from Memphis. Obviously, you know Elvis. You hear about Elvis, but I mean, all these blues musicians. Dude, would you believe? BB King's from Memphis, correct? Yeah, I play with him too. Is Albert King from from no, Memphis? I don't think so. I, I played with the girl that he used to date. Her name was Shirley Brown. She was a blues singer too. Uh, uh, Eric Gales, um, dude, one of the greatest guitar players that you could possibly ever hear. I mean, uh, and the funniest dude to ever want to meet and talk to. I so cannot wait to meet y'all. Y'all introduce. Yeah, I've never met him. I just know him through his music and how great a guitar player is. For those out there that aren't familiar with what we're talking about, make sure you do yourself a favor and check out Eric Gales. I mean, I would say from what I've heard, he's one of the closest guitar players you'll hear to somebody like Jimi Hendrix. Oh yeah, innovative, correct? Oh no, totally, totally. I mean, heck, we were in high school together and RCA. I I think that's who he was with. So he got signed in high school. Yeah, he got signed in high school. And he's one of these guys that he, he's he, like like Kendrick's played the guitar upside down, upside down, looked just like him, left handed. I mean, all that. And they made him quit school to make him do records, and they was hiring tutors to make him, you know, pass his stuff. But he was on the road in high school, and we never saw him ever at school. He was always on TV somewhere. But the guy's an amazing guitar player. Wow. So, so yeah, so all these guys that, I mean, growing up in Memphis, I'm assuming, I mean, it's funny, man, I, I say this as, and, and you're a humble guy sometimes. Sometimes, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Because you know, you know, you're, you know, like what you bring to the table when you play drums. But man, I think when I watch you play, it's amazing to me and I think all of us when we realize just your natural ability when you like sit behind those drums, how it just seems like it just it emotes from you, you you just it's, it's like it's, it's like an extension of who you are playing yeah. drums. Yeah, yeah. And I and there and the times that we have been here to Canada without you. No offense to guys like Keo Stroud. Shout out to Keo who who who've saved us many times playing drums with us. But yeah. when you get used to playing with somebody that's back there playing the way you do, it's interesting when someone else comes in. It's it's kind of you have you get used to the differences and what that that's all about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and I appreciate that too. By the way, uh, thank you, uh, Keo Stroud Black, and I'm Stroud. I appreciate you, man. Um, but seriously. Yeah, you do. And, you know, and, and, and like I said, you know, it starts from my mom and daddy because it's like, it, it, and it, my mom and daddy is everything to me, by the way. But, uh, you know, I would watch them at home, and my mom and dad were such bulldogs to the point where when they get to arguing, I'm talking about it was like two pit bulls fighting each other. They would argue, and me and my little brother being that crying, like, why y'all crying? Why y'all arguing? And they arguing, but the point I'm making is that my dad and my mom instilled in us to be aggressive about what you're trying to do. And if you don't believe it, ain't nobody else going to believe it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, one of my favorite, one of my favorite things I've learned a lot from you, Myron, over the years, and we'll get to this, but 
one of the things I've always loved about you is the sayings and stuff that you have that, that, and you've always referenced your mom and dad growing up. And I love that because I, I think for those out there that listen to this podcast and have heard me talk a lot, you all know how much I speak of my mom and dad a lot. And, and, and being out here on the road, having these guys in the band, it's like an extension of your family. We all are in a way family members. We talk to each other about a lot of things, but over the years, Myron, you've had these sayings that you've come up with. One of my favorite one was, and you, you can tell everyone, I, I believe it was your mom who told you in life, you got to make sure that you keep your grass cut oh, low, right? Oh, yeah. No, my dad, that was my dad right there. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm fixing to let America know something that don't hardly, people don't know nothing about this. So my nickname at home was called Bean. Why? Because I had a big head when I was a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody was like, oh, Bean, come here, Bean, come here. You know, so anyway, my daddy said, hey, Bean, come here. When you get out there and play drums, you need to keep your grass cut low. I'm like, Dad, what the hell does that mean? You know, I'm not going to say that to him, but what does that mean? Yeah, when you keep your grass cut low, you know where your snake's at. It's like, hmm. That's right. Metaphorically speaking, I understand what that means. Oh, wow. That's right. And now you be out here on the road and you know where your snakes are. Uh-huh. So. That's cool, man. Yeah, I've got a lot of, uh, I've got a lot of sayings like that throughout the years that I've, that I've, that I've kind of picked up from you and also Greg Fowler back again. Shout out to Greg Fowler. Greg, Fowler. we have a book full of Fowlerisms that, that he that he's said over the years. But um, so we'll get back to how I met you. You know, being a kid that just got a record deal, moved here from, um, I say here, we're sitting in Canada, but I, I, uh, I moved to Nashville, Tennessee, dropped out of college um, at Florida State University. And what was so crazy for me was I had this kind of, slammed together band that we used to play cover songs and stuff in uh at florida state at a place called pop bellies and um when i moved to nashville i moved on my own so i was kind of at a point when i got a record deal it was time for me to put together a band at that time the guy um victor our bass player he i guess y'all had played shows together in memphis so victor came to me and at the time jimmy ritchie who was producing my record and said hey man i uh don't know how you feel about this, but there's a guy from Memphis I know. Um, he's not a Nashville guy, but he's from Memphis and he's interested in going out on the road and playing some country music. And I said, man, I'm, I'd love to hear him play. And he talked about how great you were, so I took Victor's word for it. And next thing I know, I met you for the first time on Net Dude. I can remember like it was yesterday. Uh, I remember I pulled up to Soundcheck over off of Cowan Street in Nashville, which is mm. right near where the new um, Top Golf is now. Mm-hmm. And you were there as you are daily. You had a phone stuck between your ear and your shoulder. <laughs> and you were like, What's up, man? I'm Myron. And I was like, What's up, Myron? I'm Jake. Yeah. And uh, so with the first time I met you, you were on the phone. Yeah. And I'm actually surprised you're not on the phone right now while we're doing this interview. No, no, because uh, uh, Canada won't my, let my phone work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they charge you extra. Yeah, they charge me extra. <laughs> so. so, Myron, so what the heck, you know, at that time when I met you, what was it that made you decide you wanted to leave Memphis for the time being and come out on the road with some, first off, me, you didn't even know who I was. You, kn- I never even had a record out. But what was it that you said, you know what, I'll, I'll go out on the road and play country music. Because as I've laughed at you over the years, you've never, you didn't grow up listening to country music. You know nothing, never. You know nothing about country music. I still don't know nothing about country music. I don't. <laughs> do you like it? I do. You I do? do. What do. do you What do you like about country music? You know what, I like the stories that they tell. I like 
how funny and dumb some of the songs are, but they have a great groove to them. But uh, as far as to answer your question, uh, I've, n I've never played country before, and I've always been a guy that want to try new stuff, you know. Because you'd played with, I mean, you played with a bunch of people before yeah. you ever played with me, and you mentioned, you know, Justin Timberlake yeah. from Memphis. You yeah. played some gigs with Justin Timberlake, yeah. and uh, anybody else you want to shout Aretha, out to? Aretha, Aretha Franklin. Mm -hmm. I, heard her, I heard of her. I heard of him. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me see. BB and... Hey, I play with Janet, I play with Patty, I play with Steven Seagal, and play with shoot. Hey, one of my who's the guy who's the guy that you were playing with? Was it at BB Kings or something you sat up and jumped up with that you said was said the most gangster thing to you ever? Oh, that's that's uh that's that's uh, uh little Jimmy, he's a blues guitar player, which is actually Eric, Eric Gales' brother. No way. Yes. So tell everybody you gotta you gotta hear this is great. Oh my god. So okay, like I said, Eric Gales is the character. But all his brothers are characters. All of them are the same. So we were playing the show, and this guy walks up to little Jimmy. With that's his name was his his name is uh, it's not Eugene. Um, um, what is the name? I forget. Anyway, his, his stage name was little Jimmy, and this guy says, "Oh my God, man! Oh my God, dude! The way you play guitar was amazing." And that blues song, the way you played the blues was awesome, man. And he looks at it, he says, mm-hmm. But the question is, did you learn something? And he was like, he was <laughs> he stuck. He couldn't say nothing. He was like, yeah, but did you learn yeah, something? Yeah, but did you learn something? And he, and he had his long curl. He says, he always says, mm-hmm, but did you learn something? The guy was like. He was speechless. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I did learn something. We was looking at each other like, man, that was the most gangster thing I've ever heard, right there, ever. So then here's Gary, Eric Gales. He plays guitar upside down, and so he says, <laughs> and Eric Gales comes on stage and says, "That's right, everybody. That's right. I'm Eric Gales. No, you're not looking at no camera tricks or no smoking mirrors. I'm playing this cocksucker upside down." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. We was like, and he said, now nah, let's get the rock and roll. It. Dude, it was like, that's uh, all the people that can come up with that type of stuff. Yeah, man, that is pretty funny. Yeah, and, and you you were good enough by, you you kind of self-edited that before you said it. So for those out oh, there okay. that heard that, yeah. That was a we're disclaimer. Good, we're good. We're not, you know, being guys on the road, being musicians out here, you know, we're not always perfectly, you know. We, and plus, this is a podcast. It's it's it, it's for those that want to tune in. For those that don't, don't. You know what I mean? So You know what, let me, let me cut you off. Now, back up, when you asked me that why and what and what made me, my mom and dad instilled in me, a book of good character, I mean, character, judge of character, that's it. And I, I, I'm what you call one of those guys that do not hide his feelings well, and if I'm not feeling you, I don't mess with you. But when I got here in 06, it's something in my heart said, you, this is where you're going to stay for a long time. You really think in 2006, you would have thought in 2018, you would still be playing drums for this kid who just got a record. Deal. I mean, you, you really don't know, but in, in your heart, man, if if it's like it's just like the same thing how you felt when you say, Look, I, I'm not gonna stay in school longer. I'm gonna go do this. Right. You, you know, you believe you gotta you, follow you, your heart. Yeah, you you feel what you feel in your heart. You gotta do it. And that's what I felt in my heart, man, when just rocking with you. I said, Man, this is my dude. I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna ride the tires off of this mug here. And we're gonna go to the top. Then we met Greg Fowler. And Greg told me, he said, look, 
I don't know what's going to happen, but me and you, we're going to take Jake Owen to the top. And I want you to be here as long as I'm going to be here. And I told him I would. And I'm still here. And, and Fowler's still here. Yep. So, That's yeah. That's cool, man. Well, yeah, you have no idea how much I, I appreciate you. I know we talk about that all the time, and I tell you, but... Uh but I mean it, man. Like you have Dude. no idea how much I appreciate oh, having man, you out I appreciate here, you and, and, not, and not and just rock. playing music, man. Just what I've learned from you over the years, and and really that's what I wanted to do by introing you to those out there through this Good Company podcast. Is that um, and and it, and it's great to me to hear you talk about your family like that because I really strive with this podcast to talk about positive things and the things that have influenced us over the years and. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Man, I mean, we've already been talking for, you know, 15, 20 minutes here, and and um, we could talk for hours about... Oh, we got two minutes. To... Okay, so check this out. <laughs> One story that I'm going to tell about Jake Owen. Oh, God. Um, I don't know so where this is going. So this is where Jake didn't realize what kind of guy I am, you know. Um, and for all those that, that have met me 
at these shows. You know, part of the reasons why we, we, we do what we do is because we love what we do, but we want to make you guys forget about problems and issues and whatever that's going on in your life to make you just forget and just have a good moment with us. But if you ever see us out on the road, don't be afraid to say something. Say something. This is, We're here because of you. You know what I mean? Thank y'all for coming up to me. And, hey, I'm just trying to get y'all to be part of my world, you know. But anyway, now, with that being said, Jake Owen, we were, this was 2008. And Jake was moving out of his house into a new place. And Jake says, hey, man, I don't have nobody to to uh, help me move. I said, okay, but dude, I'll help you. That's cool. <laughs> I never... So this joker, he goes and rents a U-Haul a truck. U-Haul. And this was during a CMA Fest time, so Jake was in and out, in and out. I said, dude, go do your thing. I'll move everything and whatever I can get, you know, and I'll move it for you, which I did, and I did it all by myself. And so later on, Jake and Brandon says, hey, man, we got to go down to... Uh, we got to go down to the uh, LP field and, you know, peer down there and blah, blah, blah. Man, I'm going to send a car and pick you up. I said, dude, no, don't worry about it. Go and do your thing. I'm going to well, go. Because, and- wait, 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 wait. I, let me stop you for a second. This is at a time, too, when I was moving. I was moving from the little apartment I lived right. in. And I moved into that house, that blue house over yeah. there that you came. And at the time, Myron was riding a bus. I was from- riding a Greyhound. A gray- <laughs> With homeless people in that piece. You hear me? <laughs> you were riding a Greyhound bus, man. We'd come home off the road. You'd ride the Greyhound from Nashville back to Memphis. And then when it was time to leave again, you'd get back, get back on, on a on Greyhound, Greyhound bus. bus, ride it all the way back to Nashville just to get on another bus yeah. to go back out on the road. So so the reason I bring that up is, is so when you're in Nashville and you'd ridden the bus there, you didn't have a car or anything. So when we told you we'd send you a car to come down to LP Field, you were said... I was like, man, man hey, I'm cool. Yeah, hey, I'm straight. So I get in a U-Haul and put some cool clothes on and go to the club. And the dude said... Jake says, wait a minute, where did you go? I said, I went to the club in the, in the U-Haul. He said, you went in the U-Haul? I was like, yeah, it's got tires on it. I'm going to drive it, you know? <laughs> so people pull, when I pull up in the U-Haul, and I'm getting out the truck, and these girls are walking by. They was like, man, this dude drove the U-Haul to the club. I'm like, I sure did. It's got tires on it. I'm going to drive it. We need to write a song about that, man, like a rap tune about, man, driving a U-Haul to the club. I've never heard a song like that. Sure, drive the U-Haul to the bar to get your butt light. That is hilarious. We have, man, we have some funny stories. When we moved into that house, uh, I, t- I said, when I moved into that house, I asked Myron, I was like, man, you're going back and forth so much on this Greyhound. If we only have a few days here and there where we're not, go, you know, not going back uh, out on the road, uh, or we are going back out on the road, why don't you just stay here at the house? Leave your stuff here, man, so you can stay, ha- take the room upstairs. And so we kind of became roommates there for a couple yeah, of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, how about the time, man, that it snowed in Nashville and I had that black Tahoe? Uh, so this dude here is, okay, so who all know Jake Owen? Jake Owen has exquisite taste, okay? <laughs> so Jake Owen had, that's two stories this, this comes from. So when one time I was getting off the bus and him and Kendall Martin were in the in the truck together. Kendall so, Marvel, yeah. Yeah, Mar- Marvel. Uh, and Jake had these... Uh, I had a black Tahoe. Black Tahoe. Tinted black. I mean, I'm talking about it was jet black. You couldn't see in or nothing. So in the chocolate world, you would see the black Tahoe. Black folk would automatically think it's the police or the vice, right? <laughs> so I'm walking out the door. You were at the bus station. Yeah, I was at, at the bus station. I was coming to pick you up at the bus station. <laughs> so Jake pulls up. At hey, the gra- Mara, the come on, get in. Yeah. 
So Jake said, hey, man, come on. So the black dudes outside was like, hey, man, don't get in that truck. That's the vice. They taking you to jail. I'm like, man, nah, these are my guys. Man, don't trust them, man. Don't trust them. So anyway, Jake has, now Jake got all these rims and everything put on his truck. We go driving down the street. Everything was cool. So Jake, we get to the bottom of the hill of the driveway. That that driveway was straight up. It was stupid steep. So Jake said, hey, you think I can make it? My dummy butt said, yeah, you can make it. We could do it. Joe, he hits the gas, go up the hill, and he started sliding. I started sliding <laughs> sideways. But, you know, if we would have slid off that hill, man, the the where it was, I mean, it was like down a mountainside. Yeah, it was down a mountainside. But he going to grab me like he was a seatbelt. Hold, hold me up. Like, dude, if you hold me and we tumble over, there ain't nothing your arm going to do. Gotta <laughs> keep me I safe. stuck my hand on Myron's leg just to make sure he wasn't going to fall out or something. He's like, man, what you holding my leg man, for? What you holding me for? It ain't, ain't going to stop nothing. That's hilarious, man. I, uh... I think too something important to touch on, you know, and I only, I want to bring this up because because uh, it's something that's important right now in in our world in America and stuff is I've watched you, Myron, for all these years come into the world of country music, which as you know is predominantly you know uh, listened to by white white folks, you yeah, know? and uh, and I've watched you over the years, you know. It's funny this in these this day and age what you see exploited on the news about the black white things like that. What you've always brought to the table, man. I've respected so much about you is that has never affected you, man. And I've I've watched it. I've watched people, uh, white folks, be blatantly racist yeah. uh, to you and. I cannot commend you enough, man. And we don't need to get into it as far as the Oh, we can get into it. I'll tell you about it. Yeah, but, I mean, I well, but the times that, like, it's happened, man, I've watched you, you know, from times where we were at the hotel and a guy tried to accuse you of stealing something at the hotel. Yeah, and, it's punk ass. And, uh, but, man, without getting into all that, I want you to know that you, man, are, are, are the reason that people, like, you, you set an example, man, in so many ways that I wish those out there in the world, and that's why I wanted to have you on here, too, is, like, you and I coming from totally different backgrounds that travel this country together, um, and the things that I've seen you handle, but you've handled them in such a, uh, just a professional way, in a way that not only is professional, but in a way that I wish the rest of the world sometimes would view it as. And quite frankly, there's been so many times that I've been disappointed um, for those. And as I said, I, I, not to make this like some black white thing, but no, you, you, but, but, it, it but it's important, said, man, because you and I are like best buddies, man. We've been this way forever. And, and yeah. when I see this, we see this stuff on TV that talks about hatred and stuff like that. I think it's important for us to show that that's that's not what it's like. You no, know what I mean? No. But the way I've seen you handle situations that you've been put in that I know for a fact made you uncomfortable. Uh, man, I was uncomfortable it, as hell. I mean, uh, I mean, just to, just to talk about it, we we were in Corbin, Kentucky one Corbin, time. Corbin, Kentucky, yep. Man, this girl had my blood boiling like it, like hot fish grease. You know what I mean? But what's crazy about it, uh, and, and I'm gonna say this to everybody. Everybody has a choice to make. You can either be that hoodlum or redneck or whatever, what have you, to handle what you handle the way you handle it. My thing is, my name is not what you call me. That's what my mom didn't give me that name, so why should I answer to somebody that's calling me out of my name? You understand what I'm saying? Right. So, but with anything and everybody, it like what like 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 to like to this day. Kids are walking around film, filming fights all the time. You know, either you got a choice to be dumb and film it, or you'd be smart 
and break it up or just walk away from it. You know what I mean? So we were in Corbin, Kentucky, and this one lady says, oh, hey, how are you, babe? I'm like, oh, I'm good. So Greg Fowler's being funny because we were in a small town. A small, like, little white town. Like, really small. Like, it was like, like yeah, you know, it was that type of small. So Greg says, man, don't look like it's that many black folk here, uh, Myron. I said, yeah, it don't look like it. She said, oh, no, we got three of them that work in the kitchen. I'm like, strike one. <laughs> then she says, okay, what do you want to eat? Fried chicken or you want some sweet tea? I'm like, oh, babe, mm-mm, strike two. So then she comes back out and says, yeah, and the first of the month, we always have KKK marches. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I'm not even hungry no more. You have a great day. <laughs> so Yeah, and, and, and you got up, man, and you walked out, and I'll tell you, all of us, uh, I still remember that day. And uh, I'm, I'm disappointed in, sometimes in ourselves that we all just didn't stand up and walk out. But the way you handled that and the way you've always handled, you know, just diversity in this country and, and quite frankly, to use the word racism, um, it still does exist. Yeah, it it does. does. It's it unfortunate does. that it yeah, exists. Very unfortunate. But what I love hearing you say is what you just said is that it's about choices you make, yeah. you know. And unfortunately, there's those out there that are just they're just ignorant people on both sides of the fence. Both sides of the fence. And, and it takes someone like yourself to be strong enough to walk away from a scenario like that and turn your cheek to it and be strong enough to show that that kind of thing is not going to bother you. And yeah, I mean, just to, just to sum it up, how you say it, the best thing to say is, for men, you know how we have an ego and a macho thing. Just because you turn the other cheek doesn't mean that it makes you a punk because you walked away. If somebody wants to fight you and they're, you know, they're being belligerent or whatever, case, walk away, dude. Just to think about it this way. I'm going to live to fight another day. And you're stronger as a person and you're than that person by being by and, and actually you win the fight by walking away. Yeah, you, you do. know what I mean? Because nothing there's not there's nothing that, that, that you're going to cure by getting into some sort of argument with someone I mean, that's that some, ignorant. But here's the thing, though. Some of them be begging for that ass whooping. No, but God <laughs> bless. And it's man, it's hard, boy, because I want to give it to them because I got bricks in my hand. I want to hit them in their mouth, you know, but it's not going to solve nothing. And then on top of that. For instance, say like the lady in, in Corbin, Kentucky, if I had went off on her like I could have, which I had every right to, we probably would never got paid because that was a promoter's wife. You see what I'm saying? Right. And we would have been, well, Jake Owens' crew turned out some lady's restaurant. Oh, because she was, no, nah, it's a choice. You got a choice to do it, man. Walk away. It's, it's no big deal. Just because somebody called you out your name, that don't mean it defies who you are. You know what I mean? You're right. I'm a nice guy. Sweetheart. Chocolate. Sweet. You are, man. You are. You, uh, you're one of the nicest people I know, and I've loved uh, over the years and get to know you and play music with you and, and uh, laugh, man. You've made me laugh harder than anyone that I've known in a long time. Oh, and uh, the sauce that make that meat taste good, aprons are coming out 2018. Just <laughs> yeah. look out for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, there is so much that we could talk about, man. Oh, man we, we could talk we, about all kinds of stuff. We could go on and on, but the, really the purpose of this podcast for me is to talk to people that I, that, that it's called Good Company. It's about the good, the company you keep. And I'm proud to have you with us, man. Yeah, I'm proud to I be I want to keep man. doing this with you as long as possible. Uh, you know, th for those out there that are listening that have come, that come to the shows, make sure you say hey to Myron. Myron's, yeah, I got, I got to give one last story before we get out of here <laughs> okay. that, I, that I think is great. When Myron first started playing with us, on the road, he used to dye his goatee bright red. Oh, Remember man. that? And he used yeah. to every every show or two, he would take red dye, and he would dye his uh, 
goatee. And so while you were playing on stage, that thing would be dripping wet and your shirt Man. would be. <laughs> like I had Kool-Aid all over my like shirt. like you had Kool-Aid on it from dripping from your, from your goatee. But one of the funniest things we are, one of the first tours we were ever out on was with Kenny Chesney and Kenny, one of Kenny Chesney's stage managers. You, uh, you used to wear this bright yellow shirt all the time with your red goatee, and then you wore those bright yellow goggles. I can stick out those goggles, too, by the way. Yeah, you need to bring those back. Myron used to wear goggles all the time, and he'd either wear them while he was playing or he'd put them on top of his head. And I'll never forget the, the stage manner for Kenny Chesney one day. Oh, Myron went walking by, and he had, bright, he had yellow shorts on, yellow, bright yellow shirt, bright yellow goggles with this mirrored tint in his red goatee and he goes damn Mario, you look like a top water fishing lure <laughs> that was one of the funnier things ever That's right but, but uh thank you Myron, for all the laughs over the years thank you for uh teaching me life lessons man thank you for telling those out there um and sharing your story with them and uh, I say this all the time, but the, the reason this show is called Good Company is because of people like you. You're definitely a good company, man. And I'm proud to have you as a friend. And I appreciate you coming on here today. Well, I'm going to tell you people out there, when you come to the show, I'm going to start having story time with all the drunkens, okay? We're gonna, I'm going to read stories to you until the police come pick you up and take you to the wagon and make you sober up. <laughs> all right, y'all. That won't make it cut. <laughs> Uh, again, I can't thank you enough, you guys, for tuning in. It's been another great episode of Good Company with Jake. Uh, that was my buddy Myron Howe from Memphis, Tennessee. We've shared a lot of years together. We didn't even we didn't even scratch the surface on on the stories and times we've had together. But uh, looking like for getting me on a dang on uh, mechanical bull. That was never on how my about, bucket how about, list. How about the time that we got you? We were in Denver. We took you to. The, we got you and wrapped you up in that burrito thing that, that on that thing that that, that hoisted Dude. us up literally like a thousand feet in the air and dropped Damn us. Damn that! <laughs> Will never happen again. Or okay, here's another thing. I just find too many black folk kayaking. What about the time, Iron, that you uh, that I took you to kayak? Oh, just for the say, man, got me. I just bought some brand new shoes that day. And Jake was like, "Hey, man, we're gonna go kayaking down I'm the like, Harpeth River, That's Kingston cool. Springs." What is that? Oh, uh, yeah, we're just getting boat, you know, just right on down, man. No, t- about two seconds this in is the also, water. This is also when you were uh, you were about 100 pounds heavier. I was 130 pounds heavier. 130 pounds heavier. Yeah, yeah right. I'm letting so everybody know I said, I lost hey, Myron, I was like, you want to, we can just get a, a canoe, man. You and I can get in a canoe or uh, instead of having our own kayak. She's like, no, nah, man, we ain't getting no canoe together. I'm getting my own kayak. Yeah. So. We, I got my, I got my kayak. I'm like, all right, man. So I get in my kayak. I'm starting paddling down the river. I'm waiting on Myron. He's over there trying to, trying to shove himself inside this. Uh, <laughs> I mean, at the time, how much did you weigh then? At the time, I was like three, three forty, three fifty, something like that. I, I was <laughs> a heavyweight. Fifty trying to get inside this kayak, man. and uh, I had about an inch of clearance from the top of the boat to the top of the water. Like just one false move, and you flipped it. Right there, it wasn't ten feet from the dock. So, but y'all see, but see, this is what pissed me off today. First off, I can swim. Let's get the stigmatism: black folk can't swim because I can. Okay, let's get that <laughs> out the way. Number two, Jake says, "Hey, man, it's only gonna be two feet of water." Bull. And water was all the way past my head, and I, you know how you, you know, you do this and go down and get your run to start for the, putting your feet but on you the ground. Also said before Nothing. That you don't like getting in water. You can't see the bottom. No, man. Snakes, beavers, everything to be in there. I was like, no, man. I can't believe Jake got me in this. No sir. Beavers. No sir. Oh, I'm like, I won't. I won't be doing this no more. Uh, well, Mm-mm. we might. 
we might have to revisit this podcast at some point, man. Get you back on here. We uh, we ran out of time today, but again, thank you guys. Y'all give it up for Myron Howell. Myron Howell, Memphis, Tennessee. We love you guys. Yeah. Good company podcast with Jake. We'll catch you uh, next time, and uh, we'll see you then. Thank you guys. Same bad time, same bad channel. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.